Good morning, good morning. It is so wonderful to be here. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope that whatever fills your love tank up, you got plenty of it. If that's uh, acts of service, like doing the laundry, like, yeah, thanks for the perfume, but can you please change the air filter, right? Or if you loved getting to have breakfast in bed or anything like that, you know, it's nice when the kids make breakfast unless I have to, like, clean up the pancake batter that's now all over the cabinets. Not not the older kids, right? So older kids, I apologize in advance that you have to sit in this service. I love you. No, (laughs) they're usually later like, seriously, Mom, did you have to tell any stories? But we are uh, so glad you're here this weekend, and I love that we get to celebrate moms. Um, You know, one thing that's really neat about being, getting to be the pastor's wife is that there are women in this church that have been pastor's wives at other churches. They've been senior pastor's wives, and so they're always very kind, and they'll come, and they'll kind of pat me on the shoulder and give me the I understand look, and it's very, very helpful, and there were a few of them in first service, and this service, I just want to say a special uh, hello and give special honor to Miss Betty Bascom. I love you. Would you stand? And Miss Diane, is she in here? We love you, Miss Betty. There's Miss Diane in the back. Miss Betty and Miss Diane were senior pastors' wives for years, and, uh, and they bring me strength along with many of the other senior pastors' wives that we now get to have here in our service. We had some up here earlier, and there'll be some in third service, and so appreciate it so much. And Miss Diane, I really appreciate all the Chico's hand-me-downs. I couldn't do it without you. So, <laughs> so, but we are, we are so glad to honor, the Lord, um, honor moms and honor the Lord this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Uh, unusually cool Texas weather. We don't take it for granted. Lord, I just thank you for the families in Church on the Hill, and I thank you for moms that have given of their lives so sacrificially. Lord, we're here to not only honor them, but to learn from you and to learn from your word. And we just come to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, moms have a quite interesting life, don't they? You know you're a mom if 7 a.m. would be considered sleeping in. You know you're a mom if you know why Mama Bear's porridge was cold when everybody else's was hot. Especially if you, are you the one that has to reheat the coffee over and over because you have to end up getting caught doing something? You know you're a mom if the trip to the potty includes an audience. And I did say potty, which is another sign that you're a mom. You know you're a mom when you get a compliment when you finally put on lipstick. Wow, like we didn't know you cleaned up. You know you're a mom when grocery shopping alone is considered a night out. You know you're a mom when you use wet wipes to clean your car dashboard. I actually thought that was normal. I didn't know that was not normal. You know you're a mom when you can hear a sneeze in the middle of the night, two rooms away, through closed doors. The worst is that vomit sound, though, that you hear. Have you ever heard that in the middle of the night? That is not the sound you want to hear in the middle of the night. You know you're a mom when you've washed the same load of clothes three times because you keep forgetting to put them in the dryer. You know you're a mom when you have take a shower on your to-do list. You know you're a mom when you find yourself finishing an episode of Daniel Tiger and you look around and there's no more kids in the room. I had to know how it ended. I just had to know. And you know you're a mom when you've done that diaper smell check right, to see if it was dirty or not, and thought there was nothing wrong with that. 
so. Moms are absolutely incredible. They seem to get more done than the rest of us with less time and only one arm because the other arm is busy doing something else. So it's really fun to get to honor them today. Um, Last year, I met a pastor's wife who she and her husband moved to a new town to plant a church. They had three kids under the age of three. So I can't imagine doing anything with, with three kids under the age of three, much less going to a place where I didn't know anyone, was just meeting people. But they said, you know, we've always wanted four kids, so why not go ahead and have the fourth? What harm can it do? We've already got three under three. What's wrong with four? So when she got pregnant with her fourth pregnancy, she wasn't having one. She was having three. So now this amazing lady was about to have six kids under five. Can you, under four, sorry, six kids under four. Can you imagine? I cannot fathom. She said as they got a little older, after she quit crying all the time, that she would go to the health club. She got a health club membership just to put the kids in the childcare and just go take a shower. She said she would take a nap in the locker room on the benches <laughs> just to have help. So moms are absolutely incredible. Whatever gets thrown their way, they seem to be able to manage it and handle it. Whether you're a biological mom, maybe you're a stepmom, maybe you're a gotcha mom because you had the joy of adopting. Maybe you're a grandmom or a, a, a mom that's just taken on a slew of kids that, that may not be your own, but yet they look to you as a mom. We honor you, and we're just so grateful for everything you do. Um, But I do want to say there's no such thing as the greatest mom. I think women, we compare ourselves, don't we? And we can say, well, she's so much better at that. Man, look, all her kids match. Or, wow, she actually got a bow in that kid's hair that lasted past the car ride. And uh, there's no such thing as the world's greatest mom. We have our moms, and they are the greatest, aren't they? My mom is the greatest. Say that with me. My mom is the greatest. Yes, and I get two amazing moms now. Mimi's here with us. We're so glad you're here. Mimi and Pop have been here just over a year. They got here, and we put them to work. They hit the ground running. And I can tell you what, there's nothing better than having a mother-in-law of wisdom that lives less than a quarter mile away, especially when you have two daughters. So the minute the drama level starts to get high, I send them to Mimi's. I'm like, Mimi wants to hear what's going on. Go tell Mimi what's going on because drama and I don't mix really well. But there is no such thing as that perfect mom. Our moms, the mom God gave us, is exactly who we needed. They are the greatest for who we have, and we're here to honor them. We have a little gift. I hope you were able to get your gift when you came in, the little bracelet. That bracelet has three pearls on it, because today we're going to talk about three pearls of wisdom, three pearls of wisdom that I see in moms and that we can live in our lives as believers. And so moms, when you see that, I hope you remember today the things that we learn, and uh, we're here to love you and to honor you. The scripture we're going to talk about today is from Micah chapter 6 and verse eight. It says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah was a prophet who prophesied to both Israel and Judah at a time when they thought they were doing pretty well. 
They were, had their religious sacrifices. They had all their traditions. And they thought that qualified them to be pleasing to God. But Micah came with a word that said, I'm not concerned. I'm concerned with your heart, your outward sacrifices and your traditions and the things that you feel make you great. I'm concerned with your heart. I'm concerned with the state of your heart. And in that moment, Israel and Judah's hearts were not turned towards God. And so he came with a word. And I don't think he sounded like me. I think he sounded more like Thor right? He has shown you, oh mortal. Can you just hear Thor saying that? I can just hear Thor saying, oh mortal. He has shown you, oh mortal, what is right. He has shown you, oh mortal, what is good. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And that's the three pearls of wisdom we're going to talk about today. The first one is to act justly, to act justly, to live in an honest, fair, and righteous way. You know, as believers, there's no greater witness, there's no greater basis to start our life and to live our life with Christ in acting justly, in acting in an honest and fair way. You know, when people think about justice, I think of the Justice League. I think I'm on a superhero kick this morning or something. But, uh, but when you think about justice, justice requires action. It's not enough for somebody to believe, hey, that, that's wrong over there. Somebody should go do something about that. Justice requires action. And so when we act justly, we live in a way that is righteous. We live in a way that, that is pleasing to God. What that means, simply put, it just means living right. It's living in line with the morals that we, say, we stand for, living in line with the things that we read in the Bible. And then when we do that, it gives us the courage to then speak up when we see something else going wrong, when we see that, because we know that we've done all we can. No, we're not perfect, but we say, Lord, we try every day to live in a way that pleases you, to live right. Then when we see injustice, we say we can stand up. You know, and so many times we feel like in a world of relativism where it's not my place and it's not my call, it absolutely is. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is offer truth and to stand up and say, that's wrong. That's wrong. I read in the, I read in the word that that is, that is wrong. And we can stand for truth. Moms don't seem to have too much of a problem with this. Like it's not okay for you to take the toy and whack the kid on the head with it. We don't do that here in this house, right? We don't color on the walls. Moms have don't mind telling us what's right and wrong. And southern moms don't mind telling anybody what's right or wrong. You can be on a playground, and if there's a southern mom and somebody's acting a fool, they're going to tell them. They don't know whose kid it is. They don't care whose kid it is. They're going to handle it, right? Moms definitely do that. And, so, and that's something that we can learn as believers, that we, cannot, we don't have to shrink back from telling somebody, I'm concerned that what you're doing is dangerous for your life. I'm concerned that what you're doing is wrong. And, then, and as we do that, what we're doing is we're living what we see as valuable. Not just what we believe, but what we value. And there's a difference because people will watch and they will absorb what we do versus more than what we say we do. We can say we value something, but if we're not living that, people notice and people can tell. And so especially our children and especially people that look to us, they're looking at how we value things. And they will, um, they will emulate that. They will live by that. So it's important that we value truth. Third uh, John 1, four says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. It, it blesses me when I see my kids value what I value. I can't necessarily 
say to my kids, you have to believe what I believe. I have to pray. I have to ask the Lord that they find their own relationship with him. I, that's the greatest desire of my heart. But they don't get to inherit my beliefs. They have to obtain them themselves. They have to find Christ. They have to accept him and, and it, receive salvation for themselves. But my kids will inherit not just my, our physical traits, all of us. They will inherit our values. The things that we pass down to them will be our values, like it or not, which is a little bit scary, right? Sometimes I think, oh, no, what kind of values do I not want my kids to have that they'll have in, in that? But, I, but I, I know that I see the values that were given to me from my mom and from my, my parents. You know, my mom values hospitality. Every Christmas, and maybe you've heard me say this before, but every Christmas, every Easter, every Thanksgiving, we had complete strangers in our home because my mom valued the fact that no one should spend a holiday alone. So if she met someone in Walmart, they were invited to Christmas. A little bit different at times, uh, and she also valued if anybody was visiting and did not uh, wasn't from this country, that they must understand the Christian values that we lived by. And she would instill that in people. Hospitality was a value for my mom. And so now my kids will be like, why are we bringing everybody with us when we do this? Because it's a value that I inherited. You know, I read about a man named Robert Ingersoll. He was one of the premier atheists in the turn of the century. What was interesting is he was the son of a preacher. He was the son of a preacher that used to travel with Charles Finney, which on the circuit in those days, that's a big deal. If you were preaching alongside Charles Finney, you were in the game. You were a premier preacher of the time. And, and Robert Ingersoll hold, heard his dad share countless messages about things like equality and justice and compassion along with the scriptures. What's interesting is he did not absorb his dad's belief. He chose to become an atheist, but he did absorb his dad's values. He, he went on to become an avid abolitionist, and in a time where um, the abolitionist Frederick Douglass was not welcome in any hotel in a city, he brought him into his home. In a time when uh, Susan B. Anthony was standing up for women's rights and literally a mob was about to attack her, he defended her and he stood in the gap. How sad that he did not accept the beliefs that his dad passed down of salvation and, and, and um, belief in Jesus Christ. But what was interesting to me is he absorbed his values and he stood for that. Our kids will absorb our values. And if we teach, if we teach respect, creativity, honesty, if we teach kindness, our kids will inherit those values. So we have to act justly each and every day in what we're doing so that we're passing that on to people. Amen? The second thing is to love mercy. Love, that passionate desire to love mercy, kindness, compassion, and goodness. There's no easier topic to talk about on Mother's Day than love. Moms seem to be an endless, bounding amount of love. Maybe not patience always, but definitely love. I don't know about you moms, but there's been times that mom juice ran out before the day was over. Did it happen to anybody? I'd be like, I think y'all just need to go to bed because mommying is done. I'm over. I read something the other day that said, I may love you to the moon and back, but I'm about to haunt your nightmares if you don't go get in bed right now. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> you hear them come down the stairs, go, go to bed. 
Um, but love is something that moms do naturally. We were out to dinner with some friends, and, um, and the two men were over there just talking shop, talking shop, and they had a newborn with them. And the mom and I, I think, spent the whole night just oogling. I mean, it's a baby. How can you do anything but look at this gorgeous child? And so all we did, there's just love that abounds. And moms are so good at that. But as believers, we have to be good at that as well. And it's not always easy. But we have to put on the lens of love, or as Pastor Adam says, your Jesus glasses. We have to put on a lens of love, and we have to see the world through eyes of compassion and through eyes of love. It's easier with those that we naturally love. But the challenge is to love mercy. And mercy goes one step further than loving our neighbor or loving our family. It's loving our enemy. Mercy is loving that, that person deserved of judgment in our minds and in our hearts, deserve it of punishment. It actually means to show compassion to the offender, the person that it has been passed, and say, I'm going to choose to love beyond that. I'm going to choose to love when I have the power to say, to exact justice. I'm going to show mercy. Mercy is um, going that one step further. It's what the Lord did for us. You know, when we don't show mercy, it's a lot like the parable in Matthew 18 where it says a man was forgiven a huge debt and he immediately left and he went to someone that owed him a very small debt and, and shook him and said, pay you what me, you owe me. You owe me and I, I'm deserved of it. And, um, and the ruler that, that forgave much was very, was, um, very disappointed and it says it, and says it was, he punished him because of that because it's, if we don't honor and show mercy. We're forgetting the mercy that was shown to us. Amen. We're forgetting that we've been forgiven much and that we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be forgiven from. And so that's the mercy that was shown to us. And that's the mercy that we can show to others. Love and mercy go hand in hand. And um, I was reading just 1 Corinthians 13 the other day. It's so simple. We read it often. And yet, ouch, it really hits home, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen? That always part gets tough because that always means it keeps going and going and going. And that comes supernaturally by saying, Lord, give us love in our hearts. Help us show mercy. And guess what comes with mercy? Forgiveness. When we walk in mercy and we look through the lens of compassion, then the Lord asks us to practice forgiveness each and every day. I don't know about you guys, but forgiveness is a stretch sometimes. It really is. I'm, I'm going to be 45 this year. Don't tell anybody. Um, but gosh, I'm getting a little stiffer the older I get. Am I the only one? You know, I remember when you were kids and everybody was like, who can do splits? Watch what I can do. I can do a toe touch. I can hang from the monkey bars. Now I'm like, uh, has anybody got a chair I can sit in while we do this? <laughs> They're like, let's all sit Indian style around, this, around the circle. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Y'all go ahead. Because I'm getting a little stiff the older I get. And you know what? We have to be really careful as believers that we don't get a little stiff when it comes to forgiveness. Oh, man, but when we stretch and when we practice, like, oh, this one hurts, but I'm going to forgive right now. 
Oh, this still hurts because guess what that does? It develops flexibility. And the more flexible we are, the more bendable, the more people can't get us all stiff and bent out of shape. And we got that sore muscle in our neck, right? We have to stretch and practice forgiveness. And sometimes it, it, oh, it hurts and it's stiff. We just keep trying and we keep trying and we keep applying love and applying mercy and applying forgiveness to that situation. You'd be amazing how much easier it gets over and over and over again. So we must act justly, love mercy. And the third thing is to walk humbly with our God. I love the definition of humility. It's modest, respectful, courteous, meek, and not pretending. When we walk in humility in our hearts, we don't have to pretend to care. We don't have to pretend that people matter because they do. Because in our heart, there's a a prayer of humility. It doesn't come easily sometimes. We have to work on it. But the first way we can do that is to understand that our goal in life is to make other people great. One of the greatest things we can do is to make other people great. That same atheist said this, when we lift up, we all rise. And, and so many times we think it's one or the other, right? It's me or you. But when we lift up, we all rise. Remember all those research projects your mom helped you with? She didn't even get a grade for it. She did all that cutting. She did all that stuff. She didn't even get a grade. You got the grade. How cool is that? Moms are amazing. Moms always lift up. They're always there to cheer on and be proud of us as we shine. And as believers, that's the challenge. That's the journey of discipleship. Not that I get to do something amazing, but I get to be a part of helping someone else do something amazing. Because I tell you what, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. As Pastor Adam and I have gotten to cheer on pastors as we launch them into planting churches, one of the churches that we planted out of this church, gosh, it's been, it's been two years now, we sent the young adult pastor and his whole team. They just got a facility. They've just remodeled the facility. It's so exciting to see. And I didn't have to paint anything. I didn't have to move chair. I didn't have to do anything. I just got to cheer them on, and that's so exciting to see. And one, and the walk of humility is saying, I want you to shine right now. I want the spotlight to be on you. I want God to do big things in you and through you. And um, I tell you what, though, it's under attack in our society. There's many times that people say, no, 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 I, it, I haven't gotten my chance yet. I haven't been trending yet. I haven't gotten, I haven't been known enough yet for me. My legacy, my, uh, my, sh- my time to shine has not yet come. But you know what? There is nothing greater we can do to step back and say, my legacy is going to be when you shine. My legacy is going to be watching you um, grow. John Hagee, who is a pastor in San Antonio, mega, mega church, thousands and thousands of people. I heard him once say, he said, you know, my mom was a great preacher. She could teach the word. She was amazing. But her goal in life was to see me fulfill everything God had for me. And I think about the thousands that have ministered to, the awareness to Israel that he believed in you, believers, all these things that happened because he had a mom that was behind him saying, I believe in you. You know, we, we read Proverbs 31 and you hear the Proverbs 31 woman and all that. Proverbs 31 was written by a mom to her son who was the ruler and her daughter-in-law. 
How cool is that, that this was a mom who was talking about how amazing her son and her daughter-in-law were? I just think that's incredible. And that's the, the legacy that we can leave, is that we invest in others. That's why people in our, in our church open their homes and have small groups and encourage people to grow in the Lord, because they want to instill in them and say, you can do so many great things for God, and we're here for you. Psalms 127, 4 and 5 says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. We grew up in South Louisiana, like I said, so it was a big homeschool church, and so this was definitely the scripture to prove you had to have at least six kids, right? Because we made sure we had a quiver full. It was awesome. But beyond that, which is, I think, incredible. But beyond that is that when we pour our lives into people, not just literal children, we have spiritual children. When we have people that look to us like moms and dads, when that time comes and we're under trial and when the trials of life come, you have people that are there with you and they're there for you. Because the point of the scripture is also that there's a really a fear of shame. If you read it, that I will not be put to shame when they when they're face their opponents in court. I don't want to be all alone when this is all over with. I want to know I've got people with me when this is all over. The way to guarantee that you will have people with you when you need them is that you were there for them when they needed you. Amen? That you're believing in people. And so it's so important to know that you can, when you invest in people, they're there for you and they're supporting you. But I tell you what, walking humbly many times means that the path of our dreams, the path to those great things, go a way of humility and a way of humbling. It's not always easy, and it's scary at times because when we humble ourselves, when we feel like we're in a win-lose battle, and the Lord says, how about you, you give up on this one? Yeah, but what if I'm the loser? What if I lose? Oh, no, right? That thing that rises up. But the way of humility says, walking with the Lord and uh, letting him direct your path. If you think that you have to put someone else down in order to succeed, then maybe it's time to really start the walk of the way of humility. If you have a fear that both of you can't flourish, if the thought of win-win is like there's absolutely no way, then let the Lord take you on the walk of humility. If your first thought when you hear of anything that changes is, yeah, but what about me? How does this affect me? How's, how's this going to, what's this going to do? Let that Lord, let the Lord take you on that walk of humility that says, I've got you in this. I love that scripture earlier that said that the Lord is always close to the needy. There's always close. The Lord fights our battles. Who are we to think we can even do it all? on our own strength anyway, right? The Lord is with us in that. And sometimes that path requires very tough choices. Sometimes it requires sacrifices. And, and um, I think moms make a lot of sacrifices. I recently re- met a mom who qualified to go to the CIA. She passed all the tests. Langley called, literally, and was like, you're accepted into the CIA. The CIA. She's like this little quiet, you know, lady, but she would have had to spend 18 months away from her young children in Langley learning. And she said, I, it's not a sacrifice I'm willing to make for a career. I'm going to stay home with my kids. She became a teacher. She made a huge impact. 
um, in the lives of the kids that she taught. But let's be honest, she made a sacrifice. She made a sacrifice for the values that she believed in. And sometimes walking humbly is going to be a sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to require things that we say, Lord, I'm going to bring this to you. I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to trust that you are going to take care of it, that you've got it all under control. Recently, as a city council member, I had the opportunity to give an award to an amazing young lady and meet her mom. Her mom is named Brittany, and her name is Meredith. There they are. Uh, Meredith is a 10-year-old at a local school, and on Christmas Day, 2017, Meredith was diagnosed with lupus, with a very severe, very aggressive form of lupus on Christmas Day. And so their family has, um, they told me today, they're just entering their sixth month of chemotherapy, as well as um, very intense treatments. And so it's been a battle for them. In fact, um, I, there's a picture of her. I got to give her her award. And, um, and there's sweet Meredith. She is a warrior, I tell you what. And through her battle, actually asked that as a whole city, we raise awareness for lupus and the challenges that, that many women face. And some, it's just as they battle this disease, it's a, it's a silent pain that many people don't even know about. It's just they're in constant, constant pain. Um, but not only was Meredith a hero to me, so was her mom, Brittany. Brittany is absolutely gorgeous. She had this long, gorgeous red hair. Look at that hair. Oh my gosh, it's so gorgeous. And I asked her if I could share this. Well, Brittany, not only in the sacrifices she's making as a mom, felt like another way to show her daughter her support is to cut all of her hair off. So Brittany cut all of her hair off. And we had some real life conversations about how tough that was. And all, all of the ladies with long hair, no, not my hair. Don't cut all my hair off. But, but I tell you what, she wanted to make an outward sacrifice to show her daughter that she was with her in this journey and that she wasn't alone. And I told her, I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, I'm going to tell all the Church on the Hill, is that okay? And she did tell me it was okay. And we're praying for her. We're praying for Meredith through this whole journey. Um, and we're praying for their whole family that they pull through. But mom's so many times make sacrifices for us, and, and we as believers can give our lives for people, and we can, we can uh, show love through the things we can do. And so remember the three pearls as you go, that you act justly, you love mercy, and you walk humbly. And as we do that, we're honoring moms with our lives, really, because moms are just absolutely incredible, aren't they? I think so. You know, moms are like coffee, we can just stop there, right? Moms are like coffee. We'll just stop and enjoy that moment. Moms are like coffee. They help you believe you can take on anything. Moms are like chocolate. They're perfectly sweet, and they make you feel better when you're down. Moms are like cheerleaders. They're your biggest fan, and they know how to spell your name right. I apologized a long time ago to my children that they'd never have a mug at Six Flags with their name on it because I didn't spell their name normally. Sorry kids. Moms are like buttons. They hold everything together. Moms are like sunshine. Everything is brighter when they're around. Moms are like show tunes. Their words get stuck in your head. Moms are like the CIA. They tend to know everything. How does that happen? How do they just know? And moms are like rock stars. They're always on the road, in the day a sweaty mess, always have someone screaming their name, and if they're really great, people ask them when they will produce more. <laughs> they also said moms wake up with people in their bed, but I wasn't going to share that one. So, <laughs> like rock stars. But, but moms really are rock You'll catch that one later. Uh, moms really are like rock stars. <laughs> it was just too funny. I had to 
share it. I didn't share it for service. Don't worry. They wouldn't get it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but moms are incredible. They keep us all together. They teach us our values. They teach us what's important. They give sacrificially, and they really do show us what it's like to be a Christian. They show us what it's like to live a life for others and giving our lives to others. So this morning we wanted to honor moms, but we also wanted to remember that we want to give our lives. We want to act justly in what we do and love mercy and walk humbly. Amen? If you would stand with me this morning. Thank you. If you're a mom in the house, would you just lift your hand right where you're at if you're a mom? Now, some of the moms have their families with them, and some of them don't. And so we want to take this moment, and we want to pray over moms. So if there's a mom or there's a lady close to you with their hands up and you don't see anyone go and put their hand on, on their shoulder, then I want you to do that, please, for me now across the room. We're going to pray over moms. Thank you, Jesus. Make sure you look around. Make sure every mom's got somebody with their hand on their shoulder or on their hand. There you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Father, we thank you for the moms of this house. We thank you for the sacrifices that they make. And as we honor them today, Lord, by honoring them through the word and what we see as these three great pearls, that, Lord God, that they actually had those attributes. Moms seem to shine those attributes out the most. And Father, we ask you now, Lord God, that you would strengthen them. Lord God, there are prayers that these moms have been praying that haven't gotten answered yet. And, Lord, we agree with those prayers and say, Lord, come quickly. Work, work quickly on the heart. Most of those prayers are about other people, many about their children, their grandchildren. And, God, we ask you for those miracles to come to pass. We agree with the moms of this house, Lord God, that they are safe and protected. Those kids always seem to be the center point of their prayers. And, God, we just thank you for that. Lord, I ask that, Lord God, the things that the moms need, that they're concerned about, Lord God, that they don't let anybody else even know, Lord, sometimes about what they're going through physically, Lord God, what they're feeling emotionally, Lord God, what they're overwhelmed with, that you would be their supply, that you would be the dad upon dads, the father to the fatherless. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that each one of these moms will feel your peace, your strength today, that they would sense the love that we as a congregation have for them. That, Lord, for those that are single moms, that they would feel your arms around them, Lord, every night when they go to bed, Lord God, and every morning when they wake up and when they're stressed out in traffic and how am I going to get to my kid? And, Father, I just thank you for each and every one of those moms who've taken on someone else's children, Lord God, and said, I will care for them. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for those that aren't even biological moms, but are moms to so many, that, Lord God, they will feel and sense the love that we have for them and the gratefulness that heaven has, that they would, that, that they would reproduce in the lives of those precious souls. Father, we ask you now for great grace and great mercy, Lord, to be upon us in this holy moment, in the mighty name of Jesus. If you return to your seat, keep standing with me. I'd like you to keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment. Miss Jamie read thus that beautiful passage in the book of Micah. And it opened up with God saying through the prophet, Listen, O mortal. These are the three things I expect of you, O mortal. That word is a strong word. Only a mom can make it so sweet today. But that actually is a prophetic word where God's kind of giving a very clear call to remember that we're mortal. We're going to die. You're not going to live forever. I don't care who you are. 
In fact, the Bible says it like this, that each of us have an appointment with death and then the judgment. I set appointments all week long with folks. Make those appointments. And sometimes something happens where I miss them. You're not missing that appointment. It's going to happen. And then you're going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And though it was gracious and kind the way Miss Jamie shared that passage today, the Lord's going to judge us on whether or not whether or not we actually accepted his great gift to us, his son Jesus, whether or not we allowed him to be the Lord of our life. Did we walk in justice? Did we love? Did we live in humility? Did we have those pieces at work in our life? Because only through Christ can we have that. And today, as you're standing here, I want you to think about that moment. Will you be ready to receive what is due you? We are all going to die. It's going to happen. But we have an opportunity here today. I'd like to extend that opportunity to anyone who would say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. Friend, I've been where you're at. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but life happened and I've walked away. And I'm here because mom wanted me to be here. I'm here because, you know, I just knew I need to be in service, go to church this week. Friend, I tell you something, I've been in that spot too. And God has been so gracious and so kind. And he welcomed me home even though I had stuck my finger up at him and said, I I don't want to fool with you. Even though I blamed everybody else for the reason I was mad at life. Even though I blamed God for what didn't go right in my life and walked away from me, he accepted me back. I don't know what state you're in here today, but I don't think there could be anything more amazing to happen in your life than for you to have a significant change, allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life Salvation coming to your heart on this precious Mother's Day 2018. So with that, would you bow your heads with me across the room and close your eyes? If you're away from God and you say, Pastor, you're speaking to me. Friend, I can never speak to you enough to tug at your heart. Only God can do that. He uses dumb people like me all the time. But that's him pulling and tugging at your heart. If you're concerned that if you were to die today, that you wouldn't go to heaven, why would you live like that? This is your moment to make a turnaround. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I used to know God, but I'll tell you, I just, I, I just messed it all up. Friend, he's not mad at you. He welcomes you home today. So well, what do I have to do? The Bible's real clear. He says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He won't hold our sins against us anymore. In fact, I don't know if you understand this, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid for every sin you and I would ever commit. There's a, an account with your name on it. He prepaid it all. It's been paid forward for you. He said, that's amazing. How do, I access, how do I access that account? It's real simple. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that he is the Christ. Forgiveness will come to you in that holy moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me right now. I feel God tugging at my heart. It's time. I'm ready to be a Christian. I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm ready to come back to God. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And here on this precious Mother's Day, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender and make Jesus the Lord of my life. With no one looking around. No one's looking around. Just me and you and Jesus. If that's you, just throw your hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor. It's time. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Thank you, sir, for your kindness and your honesty. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. God's tugging at your heart. That's him. I could thank you. Thank you, love. You can put your hand back down. I see it. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, that's me. It's time. I'm ready. It's, it's, I'm ready. It's time to serve God. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to keep pushing him away. I don't want to push him away another moment. I want to receive him right here. Anybody else? 
Two more seconds. Thank you, ma'am, for your kindness. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. I'm not going to call you forward. I don't, I don't, I don't want to try to draw attention to you. This is a deep, serious decision that you're making. Oh, friend, I'm so proud of you. But I, it doesn't even compare. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, that all of heaven goes crazy and rejoices. The angels are right there on the edge of their seat. As you and I pray together today, supernatural transformation is going to happen to you. All of a sudden, you're not going to want the things that you've used to want. All of a sudden, you're going to sense peace and joy that you've been forgiven. I don't think there's anything magical about the words we're about to pray. I think what's supernatural is you said, I want God. That's supernatural. All the prayer is going to do is seal the deal. So today, those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'll lead you out. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray it out loud alongside of them. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I receive you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Here and now, I admit I'm a sinner, but I accept your forgiveness. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, I'm yours forever. Now with every head bowed, Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room that prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe a homecoming prayer coming back to you. Father, I pray that they would sense the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I pray right now they would know that they're forgiven. They don't have to perform for you. They don't have to give a bunch of money to the church for you to love them. They don't have to go and and do good things for homeless people for you to love them. You love them because now they're yours. They're your son. They're your daughter. The moment they cried out to you, you welcomed them. You grabbed them up into your arms. Forgiveness was extended to them. Now, Lord, they're going to learn what it is to be a part of your family. They're going to start taking on your characteristics. It may be hard in some areas, but, Lord God, they're going to get it. And, Lord God, you're going to strengthen them. Holy Spirit, well up inside of them to the point where they have such power to overcome the old sin habits of the past and let fear be driven out as perfect love has come forward into their heart. Daddy, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for saving our lives. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted amen and amen.